Hey everybody, it's John Maroon. Welcome to Spin is a Four-Letter Word, the Maroon PR podcast, all things media and marketing and public relations. Uh, joining me as usual is Matt Williams. Hey, Matt. Good to see you, John. And our silent but deadly producer, Brittany Everett, waving her hands wildly. Big life stuff happening for Britt. First of all, she's leaving Maroon PR after several years of doing amazing work, and we wish her nothing but the best. She'll always be our friend. Secondly, she just got engaged, and she went to... Um, Beautiful falls and mountaintop in West Virginia, and she popped the question, so congrats to her and Savannah. It's really exciting. Um, today's podcast is very exciting for me, too, because we have Julia Ziegler, who is the director of news and programming at WTOP. She's been there a couple of decades. She's familiar with the podcast universe. Uh, she was part of the team that um, brought the award-winning 22 Hours, an American Nightmare podcast that WTOP put out. So um, it's great to maybe pick her brain a little bit on podcast space. But for those of you who aren't familiar, WTOP is a behemoth, uh, not only in Washington, D.C., but nationally. And they're an amazing news gathering organization that's evolved over the years. And we're going to talk to Julia about that. Yeah, John, you said it right when you said news gathering organization because they are uh, truly a multimedia uh, force. They've they've mastered that from the ra- from a radio standpoint. Their website is enormous and is extremely busy, and they compete with the with the television stations in the local and regional markets. So they're terrific. Without further ado, Julia Ziegler. Julia, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Um, first off, just for the listeners, and we talked about this a little bit in the open and open, but. Um, you know, WTOP is just an enormous force, uh, frankly, in the region, and um, really interested to hear how you know the history of WTOP, how it became such a force. I mean, it's always been a great radio force, but you've really mastered the multimedia world too now. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, you know, it's it's wild to kind of see how WTOP has changed over the years. I've been here for just about twenty years now, and when I came in. Um, you know, look, we're, we're in a completely different building now too. Um, but when I came in, you know, we had, um, two web reporters, you know, now we have, you know, a team of a dozen, you know, full timers on our website daily round the clock. Um, 20 years ago, those two web staffers, uh, covered, you know, from about, uh, four or five in the morning till about eight o'clock at night, you know, (laughs) and, and in, and in today's world, um, we're, we're 24 seven, you know? And so for us as, as news media habits and consumption habits have changed, we've had to morph with that. So, you know, our radio station has always been, or well, not always, but for the past 50 years has been 24 seven straight news. Um, you know, before I say not always, because 50 years ago we did, uh, you know, air some, some baseball games and some things like that. Um, but for, you know, for the last, you know, for the last 50 years, we've been all news 24 seven. Um, and it is, you know, so to, to take as news consumption habits changed and we're living in a world where people want to consume media and need to consume media in some instances 24-7, we needed to make sure that we were being 24-7 across all of our platforms. So that includes for us radio, you know, our website, our social media too. Um, One of the things we always say is just that we have, in order to be successful, we have to be where our audience 
uh, is, right? We, we have to meet them where they are in order to be successful. And in today's world, that is just on a lot more platforms than it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Julie, um, when, when this whole process began, what, you know, a decade ago, whatever, when the social started to blow up and the digital space and whatnot at WTOP, how did that whole process work? Was it gradual? I'm sure there were some older school folks, um, you know, <laughs> fighting tooth and nail. I mean, how, how, how quickly and how, how, how fast and um, efficiently did you guys transition to kind of this new world of, of new sharing? Great question. Yeah. You know, it was definitely gradual. Um, you know, we are, you know, kind of a, a medium sized company. Um, so, you know, we had to, we also always have to think about, um, you know, costs. And so for us, you know, we try and be smart about where are, um, where we're adding staff and, you know, what they're doing. Um, and so for us on the website, like I said, when I came here 20 years ago, you know, two full-time time web staffers. And over the years, um, we just had as, as, uh, as we were able and as we had needs as a news media organization, we added to the teams where we needed to. So, you know, first that came by adding a few additional web staffers who could, um, you know, both write articles and copy edit articles. Then came, um, you know, someone who was overseeing our social media efforts. Um, now we have two people who oversee our social media efforts. Um, so it's definitely, definitely been a gradual process. We also always say here, one of the things that we think is a really smart way to operate business is anytime someone leaves, you, you also use that as an opportunity to say, okay, you know, do we need to rehire for that exact position or is this an opportunity for us to go in maybe a slightly different direction over here where we need, you know, some additional help? Is this an opportunity for us to, you know, grow our web team or grow our social team or, you know, uh, add uh, someone to staff who has video skills or whatever it might be? So, we live by that too, but because of that, it's definitely been um, a gradual process for us over it's the really, years. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that about you know kind of like figuring out what's next with the next job. Um, kind of leads me into my next question about just young people getting into journalism mm -hmm. and getting into communications, and there's a lot of crossover there. Uh, I think it's a really good time uh, for young people that are interested in journalism to try to get into it because there seems to be more opportunities than ever. Um, conversely, there also seems to be some trepidation, um, you know, with, with some young folks to to get into things like that because there's a, there's a misunderstanding, I think, that the need for local isn't is dying. And I, I would argue that I think the need for local is still there. It's just kind of looking different and having to take a different shape, but it also presents a million different opportunities. What are you guys seeing as far as like journalism school and young people coming out and the interest in journalism? Yeah, I think, uh, there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, <laughs> great, great question. Um, you know, in terms of, I definitely, let me take a step back. Journalism is mission driven work. Right. I mean, I think, um, you know, that is one of the things that you have to love. You have to love journalism in order to be in this in this uh, industry. You know, in 
people give up a lot to be journalists. You know, when you start off, you're working weekends, you're working holidays. That means time away from your family. And I think that can be really tough. And I think it is something that, um, that, you know, needs to be reiterated. And we always try and reiterate that with um, the new younger people on staff when we're hiring, like, hey, when you first walk in the door, you, you probably are going to work weekends and you probably might work overnights. You know, well, in our environment, because we're 24-7, you might work overnights and you might have to work, um, you know, holidays. So, you know, it, it's, you know, you really have to have that mission-driven kind of background and feeling about, you know, we really are doing this for the greater good. You know, it's kind of the same reason that, like, first responders, right, like, do what they do. They work, you know, terrible hours and 24-hour shifts and, you know, all those things. I have a cousin who's in, you know, EMT and, you know, she's on call 24 hours a day, you know, for 24 hours at a time. But you do it because there is a mission behind it. And so, I think that um, when students come out of school, if they understand that, um, that, you know, this is mission, I, I think that's why it's a great, it's a great time to be in journalism, because mm-hmm. I do think so many young people want to be a part of something that matters, right? Mm-hmm. I think where, where um, organizations sometimes fail their employees, um, and maybe fail is too strong of a word, but maybe disappoint their employees, is if they don't constantly reiterate the mission and the vision. Because when you are in it 24 hours a day, when you are on that hamster wheel, when you are running that marathon, which is what I tell our folks we're doing all the time, right? You're running a marathon. You're jumping on the train while it's already moving um, in the news business every day. If you're not, if you don't like kind of come in, um, like knowing what, you know, kind of with a, uh, you know, kind of knowing that, you know, it can be, um, you know, it can be in reminding people why we're doing that. It can be really disappointing for them. But when you do make it a part of your, you know, kind of your being and your culture that like, hey, we know today was tough or, hey, we know, you know, thanks for, you know, we know you had to work OT today, but this is this is why this is this is what we did today. You know, our coverage of that tornado in Charles County or our coverage of that flooding in D.C., may have saved people's lives, you know, and when you look at it through that, I think that, um, it's really, it's really powerful. Um, but I think that we don't do that enough. And I think as an, or as a, as an industry, we need to remind people of, um, why we're here and why we, why we do what we do. And, and that goes for our employees too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Julie, you guys have, you know, earned a spot in in the marketplace here, where you're you know you're right there with the local TV stations with regard to audience and listenership, et cetera. Um, you compete with them uh, and many times win. Um, but as the you know the station that carries everything from the news and sports, et cetera, to traffic and weather all the time, twenty four seven. Do you feel like you run the risk of being looked at maybe as a utility versus a a, a, a media outlet? You know what I mean? In other words, mm. I think the public may sometimes look at you guys just like they look at Pepco and they look at Washington Gas and they say, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to get my traffic and weather here. I know it. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be upset. Mm. Well, we definitely are a utility for people. I mean, and we, we do know that about ourselves, right? Like you said, like, but part of that is what makes us reliable for people. 
And so when you, you know, we have those benchmarks, people know, you know, our clock, um, our clock is very set. You know, we've got, you know, when our news segments are, you know, when we have sports, you know, when we have business, you know, when we have traffic and weather. And so our goal every day is to help people get through their day in whatever way that may be, whether that's, like I said, you know, earlier kind of, you know, getting around a traffic incident or uh, knowing when a snowstorm is going to, to come so you can get home in time. Um, or whether that's telling you about a breaking news story that may have, um, you know, life-saving implications. Um, and people know that they can turn to us um, for that. Um, but I think what's interesting so, – so we're okay with being a utility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're okay with that because we think it does really – you know, it does serve a really, really great um, purpose. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the, um, the other thing to mention about just kind of like competition and whatnot, and I think it's really fascinating to see how this has changed too over the last, especially the last, you know, few years is, you know, we're not even just competing with television stations, you know, we're competing for people's time in general, right? Like with more, media options than ever before. And when I say media, I don't even just mean news, right? Like I mean, you know, social media, I mean, TV shows, I mean, uh, video games, you know, whatever it might be that people are engaging with and spending their time on, we are competing with that. Um, and people only have a limited amount of time to devote to media, uh, every day. So I would say, you know, that is the thing that we think about the most is, and it goes back to kind of the comment about utility too, is like, how do we remind people that, um, you know, we can be a utility for them and we are a utility for them every day. It's not just when there are those huge breaking news moments. Um, there are things that they can learn from us by listening to us every day. Um, and we want people to come back to us every day so that they can stay informed. And that's something else that we really take um, pride in is our credibility. Yeah. And, you know, we. Sorry, Joey. I yeah, our, our, oh, that's, thought. oh, that's okay. Our goal, you know, it's, it's funny. We always say, you know, if, if we get emails from people on both the left and the right, on the same day telling us that we've done something wrong, then we've done something right because it means we, you know, we're right down the middle. You know, our goal is to always just give people the facts. Our listeners are really smart people. Our news consumers on our website, they're really smart people. And so we don't need to tell them what they should think. You know, that's never our goal. Our goal is to give them the facts and to work you know, diligently every day to make sure that nothing goes out on our air or on our website that we haven't fact-checked, you know, so when someone comes to TOP, they know that they are getting, you know, just unbiased facts, you know, just, or I should say, well, by definition, facts are unbiased, right? But unbiased news, you know, just the facts. Um, and so we hope that that also makes us you know, the utility that they turn to, um, every day, you know, to get, to get their news. Julie, you, you beat me to it. Cause that was where I was going when I interrupted you is that basically, are you seeing that your continued dominance is, is 
in some part driven by the fact that there's no partisanship that you are, especially in DC, you are delivering news. And I think that people get so exhausted by these two bickering sides constantly, like two alternate universes that there's such a place they can go for some sanity for lack of a better word. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We know that people tell us that, you know, listeners tell us that the reason that they turn to us is because they do know what they're going to get. Um, It's not going to be, um, you know, it's not going to be commentary. Um, It's going to be the facts. Um, And I think that that's also something just from, you know, uh, from as the news industry at a large, you know, at large, there are journalism entities, there are information entities, um, there is commentary. Um, I think that this fragmentation in media in general makes it really hard for consumers to know who they can trust. And, you know, sometimes they might think that something that is commentary is news when, when it's not, right? Commentary is an opinion. Commentary um, doesn't always have to be based in, in fact. And so for us, you know, that's just, that's always kind of that message and the promise that we want to give to our listeners um, or, or our news consumers in general every day is that you're, you're not going to get that from us. What you're going to get is, is the facts. And so, you know, we, um, but I think it's something that news consumers need to remember is that, you know, there is a reason why, um, like there is a difference between, you can get a lot of information on the internet, right? Not all of it is true. Um, you know, and there's a re- like there is, there are a system of checks and balances that news organizations and journalists go through every day. Um, you know, we're not just going to put out something on social media without having verified it first. We're also going to ask a lot of questions about it. You know, something on the surface may appear one way. And then when you start digging and asking questions, it's a completely different thing. And it changes the trajectory of that story. And that's, um, that's something that I think I want news consumers in general to know, like be, um, be aware of those differences and seek out the entities that you can trust. And I think back to uh, the point that was made earlier, I think that's why local is so important is because the local journalists are the people who are on the ground every day. They know the players, they know their communities and they can weed through um, they can weed through the BS for lack of a better term um, and find the facts. Um, and that's why, you know, when I see uh, media organizations around the country, you know, shutting down, um, it's, it, it makes me sad because I think we lose something by not having those local entities um, that can really, you know, dig in and, and, and know when something's wrong, you know. No doubt about that. I mean, and Julia, I think that you said this a little bit earlier, and I, and I think people will be surprised at the fact that you guys are a medium-sized company when it comes to to radio, and and the fact that you run what I'm sure is an extremely expensive operation. You have a bigger staff, I'm sure, than than any other radio station in the market, and probably some television stations, et cetera. So that's got to be a a challenge for you guys from a business standpoint to to make sure that you are, uh, you know, that you're able to, to make the business side of it work while at the same time do what you just said is provide the service of local and regional, you know, reporting. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, news is one of the most, you know, expensive kind of, um, you know, mediums that you can you can be in because of what the number of people that you need to do it. Right. I mean, something that people might not know is just the number of, you know, it's not just the, you know, behind every great anchor that you hear on the air is a producer, an associate producer, a writer, you know, um, uh, and these people are working, you know, diligently to to make sure that we have the facts before it makes its way into copy, which is then read by the anchor on the air. Um, and so there are a lot of people that go into um, making sure that uh, content is factual every day. And, and that just takes a lot of time too. You know, sometimes you got to deal with, you know, you, you reach out to a source and they, they may not get back to you right away. Right. Um, you know, so it is a, um, it is a business that, that does have, you know, um, costs, you know, significant costs associated with it. Um, but those, you know, those costs also help, you know, those, those are the things that you have to invest in. Um, you invest in great journalists to have a great product. Right. Well, that leads me to this, Julie. I'm wondering, you know, we work pretty closely um, oftentimes with, you know, Matt and Danny and your sales team. I know it's mm-hmm. church and state in terms of news and sales, but how closely and how does that relationship work um, with you guys? And what I mean by that is because of your great work, they have a product to sell. And because of their efforts on the sales side, you're able to do invest in what you need to to keep the ball rolling. So how does that right. relationship work? Yeah, it's a great question. And actually, you know, you said exactly what I was going to say. Like, it is a symbiotic relationship, right? Like, we need great content that the sales department um, can, uh, can you know, that – let me say that again. We need we need to create great content that advertisers want to be associated with, right? And we need the sales department to be selling advertising so that we can do what we do in the newsroom. There is a separation of church and state, right? Like there's no one, um, you know, from the sales department that has any say in what goes out, uh, you know, on the air, right? Um, but at the same time, I also work very closely um, with with our our sales team um, because because of that symbiotic relationship, right? And I think it's 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 strange to me, um, and maybe that's maybe it's strange because it's just um, you know I've been here my entire career and I grew up here and I know how things work, and I and I haven't seen this in other places, but I know how you know there are other you know news organizations where you know, gosh, the idea of the programming, um, the news and programming director talking to the sales manager is foreign. It's a foreign concept. But I actually think that that's one of the things that makes us makes us who we are, um, because I have to understand the business side of our operation in order to run the newsroom, right? Um, and, and the sales manager has to understand how I run the newsroom, um, you know, in order to, to, to figure out what they're, you know, what they're selling and all of that. So it's, um, I have a very close relationship, um, with our, 
with our sales director. Um, and I think that it's something that, you know, when done in the right way, when done in a way that, you know, there's still that separation of church and state where content is not being influenced by advertising in any way, it can be really powerful, mm-hmm. really, really powerful. For sure. Hey, Julia, I'm, I'm just curious a couple more and we'll let you get back to your, uh, your real job. Um, but uh, uh, what guidance or advice would you give to public relations people? A lot of PR pros listen to our pod and are kind of mm-hmm. looking at, you know, I think there's, we can be kind of a, a resource, but we could also be a pain in the ass. And like, where's that, where's that tipping point for you all? And how do you like to be communicated with by, by PR people? Cause I'm sure sometimes it could become a bit much. You know, I think uh, what I always tell uh, anyone, you know, when it comes to, sto- let's say starting with like story pitches or whatever, you know, we, we, we like that. We like to be pitched. We want you, you know, when there's, you know, if there's something going on in the news and, and, um, someone has, you know, an expert that can talk about that, reach out to us, you know, and let us know, um, about, uh, that, you know, person, it might be someone that we do want to talk to. So being proactive, I think is something that, um, I would say, you know, from a, from a PR perspective is really important. And also, you know, kind of like, you know, when, when sending a pitch or whatever, you know, making sure that it's, you know, what's the news hook, you know, tell me why I should care. You know, we say that when we're writing a story, you know, we need to tell the listener or the reader why they should care about something that they're hearing. Um, Same thing in the PR world. Like why, if you send me a press release, why should I care? Tell me the news hook. Why is this important today? Why are you sending this to me today? Right. Um, I also think um, the other thing I would say from from a little bit of a different angle is um, I think it's really you know one you know and this is maybe more for from the PIO perspective um, but I would say from that front I think you know just not not being afraid to be honest is really important you know some sometimes I think that um, you know uh, press officers will you know, their, their initial reaction when something uh, maybe bad happens or something negative happens is to immediately clam up, shut down, you know, not make a comment on something. And I think that that actually makes it a lot worse yeah. versus yeah. if you were coming out, if, if you mess up or, or whatnot, if you come out and you say, yeah, we messed up and here's the things that we're taking to, you know, here are the, the you know, here's what we're doing to, to change that. People are forgiving, you know, people are human. So, for us then, as you know, oftentimes I think, you know, for us in the media, we want to, we want to tell both sides of a story. We, you know, but sometimes what will happen is we have one side and then the other side doesn't want to talk to us, you know? And it's like, well, we're just, we're trying to give your side of the story. We want you to have a voice. We want you to tell us why you did or didn't do X, Y, Z. And so, you know, I guess my advice would be, you know, to not be afraid to talk to the media. You know, the media wants to, yes, we're going to ask tough questions. And yes, you may not like all of those questions. But if you're honest, I think that, you know, that that helps to mitigate any damage that may have been caused by whatever, you know, whatever is going on um, behind the scenes. So I always love when, you know, when something happens, I see a PIO or, you know, an organization kind of come out and make a statement, you know, and not be afraid to talk to the media about it. We always tell our guys, and that that was great advice. We always tell our guys to be be truthful because 
This is, you know, it's a small universe. Uh, You don't want to garner that reputation. This is a relationship-driven industry. And if you're truthful and open and honest and transparent as you can possibly be, it's going to pay dividends in the long run. You're going to build the relationship where the news gathering folks that you're dealing with can say that these guys are giving me it straight. They're not bullshitting me. They'll tell me that maybe it has to be off the record or whatnot. But, yeah, have that rapport. Yep. That's a great, that's a great point too. I think, you know, um, you know, being able to you know, be willing to talk to a reporter, even if you do have to tell them some things off the record, because it will help us understand where you're coming from. You know, if, if your answer is silence, um, silence is always filled with the worst, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, that is in, in any, in any kind, that's not just in journalism, that's in, in anything. Um, and so people will always go to the worst. They will fill the silence with the worst. But if you can talk to a reporter and say, hey, look, I can't go on the record with this, but here's why. And here's what I can tell you. And here's why, you you know, here's why you should do the story. You shouldn't do the story. Or here's a different person you could potentially talk to or whatever it might be. Um, you know, being able to, you know, journalist, journalists are in the business of trust. And so, you know, what we always aim to do, you know, we, we um, you know, there's a reason sometimes why we will allow someone to to talk to us off the record, you know, if it's gonna if it's gonna help tell the story um, better, or it's gonna give us some insight on why we shouldn't do a story or whatever it might be. Right, um, no doubt about that, uh, Julia. One thing I wanted to before we go, one quick thing on on podcasting. We're sitting here on a podcast, and you've been involved in an award winning podcast, I believe, and then you guys just launched a new podcast that is. Daily, daily download, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And you have that. It's an interesting concept that it's it's daily, and you people are going to get their news from a podcast. So the idea behind so DMV DMV download is the podcast that we just launched, and you're right, it's a it's a daily podcast. And the way that we, you know, the reason that um, you know we launched that podcast was um, because we were again wanted to meet our listeners um, and news consumers. Um, and when I say news consumers, I'm not just talking about the people who already listen to WTOP, because as you know, and as I'm sure people who are listening to this podcast know, um, you know, average age of, of radio listeners is is higher, right, than the average age of a podcaster. I don't think that's a surprise to to anyone who might be might be listening. Um, but the idea was, you know, we have, you know, this is a large, the DMV area is a large area with a lot of people, and do we have an opportunity to engage with um, an audience, whether they currently listen to TOP or maybe they don't already listen to TOP radio in a different way and give them, um, you know, give them something a little bit different. And, you know, we've, we, you know, you look at the success of things like the daily um, and you say, well, what if we did that on a local level? And, you know, the idea behind it is we talk about the one or two biggest stories of the day Sometimes, um, you know, sometimes it might be crime related. Sometimes it might be something that's just really nuanced that, you know what, we can't talk about the on the radio in 40 second chunks like our like we talked about before. T.O.P. radio is very headline driven, utility driven. You know, we're, you're coming there to get the top news, the headlines of the day. But some stories um, are very nuanced. And so the podcast was a way for us to kind of go more in depth, go more, you know, in detail about what's going on around us and give, 
you know, people um, an opportunity to explore stories in a different way, explore the top news in a different way. Um, and, you know, our hosts are, they're just, they're fabulous. Uh, Megan Cloherty, who's been on the team um, for years, you know, she was our investigative reporter um, and is still our investigative reporter um, before joining the podcast as a host. And Luke Garrett, who is one of our producers here, um, you know, they come, they come at life, but they're, you know, they're in different parts in their life, you know, and they come at life from different perspectives. Um, but the one thing that we definitely wanted to do with this podcast was also like, talk about the news in a little bit of a different format. You know, they're more, if you listen to their podcast, they're more conversational, Mm -hmm. right? They're asking questions. They are, um, they're diving into topics and that, you know, maybe on the radio we would need an answer to, you know, but on the podcast we say, what about this? What about that? You know, we don't have answers to this yet, or this is something that, you know, you know, police haven't released yet or whatever it might be. And so it's a different way to consume the news. And we see it as a companion product to WTOP radio, right? Like the idea is you're coming to TOP for your headlines to just be up to date and to know what's going on. Or in the event of breaking news, you're coming to TOP to know what the hell is going on. Right. But the podcast is meant, it's that kind of, it's that slow down. It's that, okay, bigger picture view of something, some topic that means something to the community. And like I said, sometimes it's crime. Sometimes it's something lighter, you know? Uh, and, and it's awesome too. Like they, you know, we didn't, we didn't even plan this as they, as we were creating the podcast, but it's been really cool to, um, well, on the first day that they recorded uh, the podcast, they, they kind of did this thing at the end where they called it their chum. And it really was like them just talking about something random, something that they have seen around the community. And sometimes it's what they did on the weekend. Sometimes it's, you know, hey, did you know kind of thing, you know. Um, and it's actually become one of my favorite parts of the show. And it was totally organic. And uh, and so I think that also sets this podcast apart maybe from, from some other daily um, podcasts in that it's, it's about how they interact with each other. You know, when you listen to it, it also sounds a little different than, um, than the daily. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very, you know, it's conversational and they're, you know, they're, they're doing some different things that I, that I hope that, you know, people who are into podcasts and people who like to get their news from po- podcasts will, you know, will check out and really enjoy. Cause we think once you hear the show, um, you're going to love it. That's exciting. That's really cool. And it allows them to show some personality too, you know, and, uh, exactly. yeah, yeah. be themselves, which is, which I'm yeah. sure that'll take off, uh, in a big way. Uh, Julia Ziegler, director of news and programming at WTOP. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us so much of your time today. It was interesting and fascinating and uh, we look forward to talking with you soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks, Julia. Thanks for listening to Spin is a Four-Letter Word. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe. Send us your feedback too. We want this to be interesting for everybody. And give us a follow at Maroon PR on Twitter and LinkedIn.